Well, welcome to Graceway Baptist Church. This is our Sunday School Hour, and we want to say a special word of thanks to all of you who are our teachers. We appreciate your work and also your prayer. Pray for your class and do any outreach that you can and uh, be ready to teach on Sunday morning because you've got a word from God and uh, His word never returns void and there's always a purpose in it. And so uh, there's some passages of scripture and some lesson presentations that mean more to you at some times than they do other times. And the same thing is true with your class. But you never know when the Lord has that one special thing for that one special person. And we don't want to miss it, whether it blesses a lot or blesses a few. God's word never returns void. So teach it with confidence, with power and backed up by an awful lot of prayer. And uh, for those of you who are watching, and I know some of you do, you've told me to keep up because you can't get out or because uh, you're out of town and you want to keep up with your Sunday school class. Uh, God bless you for that and welcome to you today. Now, we've been uh, working our way through the book of Daniel, just not going verse by verse, but looking at the life of Daniel. And uh, today we're going to talk about Darius, Darius, that king, that Persian king. Some say he uh, is the same as Cyrus the Great and that uh, Darius is more of a title than it is a name. And um, anyway, we'll call him Darius because that's what the scripture does. Kind of like if maybe Caesar or governor or something like that. And the title of the lesson is Darius Proclaims the Lord. Now, if you ever had the opportunity to be a godly Christian witness and influence on somebody and they got saved through that, wouldn't you be excited about that? And what if you had the opportunity to do that twice in your life? You say, well, surely we could lead more than two people to the Lord, you know, and uh, we ought to do better than that. And I might agree. But what if both of them happened to be world leaders? What if you were able to, um, you know, be the, the person that uh, led somebody like, I don't know, Vladimir Putin to the Lord Jesus Christ? And, and that's the kind of thing that when I just saying that, it's like, well, that'll never happen or that's so unlikely. That's the way it was with Nebuchadnezzar, too. And that's the way it was with this one called Darius as well. These are pagans. These are men who are conquerors. These are men who are full of themselves. These are men who have tremendous power. And yet Daniel, this, well, this, um, to go back and quote what his um, accuser said, that Daniel, who's one of the captives from Judah, and look what he did. This is a guy who had everything against him and every reason to think that his life would be over, worthless, useless. He couldn't go to the temple. He couldn't offer sacrifices. Um, he wasn't at home anymore. He couldn't be around family. He's stuck in the middle of a pagan kingdom with pagan kings. And, uh, you know, every time he turns around, there's a death sentence out on all of them. And yet look what he has done and look what he has accomplished. And now we find king number two. Now just stop and think about that. King number two proclaims the glory of the Lord. 
So Darius proclaims the Lord. And we'll be looking in uh, Daniel 6, 25 through 27 in just a moment. Now, the introduction here. I really believe that our effectiveness in witnessing comes down to what we know and what doors are open to us. What do I mean by that? Well, it's hard to witness if you don't know anything. Now, you don't have to be a PhD and you don't have to have a seminary degree and you don't have to be able to match wits with every lost person you come into contact with, but you better know what you're talking about. You better know what the gospel is and you'd better know something about the God that you serve. But at the same time, you can know all of that and be equipped, but if the door doesn't open, then there's not an opportunity to do that. So we need to pray both for the knowledge of God and the knowledge of the gospel, not just cliches or bumper stickers or anything like that, not just inviting people to church, not just telling people that they need to do better, not just telling people that they need to ask Jesus to come into their heart, but the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and why he came and why he died for us and um, knowing that he rose from the dead and gives us new life and takes away our sin and suffered the wrath of God on the cross. You, you know what I'm talking about on that. We'd better have some answers for that. So when the door opens, we're able to share these things. Now, I'll go on and read. Many today have zeal without knowledge. They profess a Jesus that they don't really know. Well, you see that all the time with people, you know, maybe on TV, maybe a celebrity or sometimes a preacher or something like that. You wonder, do you even really know anything about the Lord? Now, none of us know everything and none of us know as much as we could or should know. But at the same time, sometimes don't you just cringe when you hear them talk about the God that they serve and what he thinks and what he says, what he does and what he doesn't do. And it doesn't line up with the word of God because they're going on instinct, intuition. It's a guess, in other words. And a lot of times our guesses can be wrong. That's why we go back to the word. So they profess a Jesus they don't really know. And others know, but they never speak up because they always see their limitations instead of their opportunities. Limitations instead of opportunities. If you've got an opportunity, boy, you ought to take it. And if you've got an opportunity, God gave you that opportunity and God will equip you in the midst of that opportunity as well. Remember, he doesn't call the equipped. He equips those that he calls. Okay. So Darius took what he knew and use the opportunity that he had to proclaim his newfound faith. So let's read Daniel 6, 25. Then King Darius wrote to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in the earth, peace be multiplied to you. Verse 26, I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. Why? For he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues and works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth who has delivered Daniel 
from the power of the lions. Now, this is a guy who he doesn't know everything, but boy, he is on target when it comes to the way that he has described God. This is a man who has gone from being a pagan, polytheist, idol worshiper to now recognizing the one true and the living God of Daniel. And his uh, proclamation here does sound vaguely familiar with uh, Nebuchadnezzar's, doesn't it? So let's talk about this. Number one, he was a public witness. You know, uh, so many times we think that, well, I don't want to bother people. This is a private issue and uh, they don't want to hear from me and I don't really want to talk to them. So I'll keep my faith to myself and they can keep their faith to their self and it'll all be sorted out in the end. Well, it will be all sorted out in the end, won't it? But here's the bottom line. We don't witness because it works. And we don't witness because we have the power and the ability to change people's destinies. We don't have any of that. We witness because it glorifies God. We're supposed to be salt and light as we go through this world. And so we proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ everywhere we go and to everyone that we meet. Now, you don't always have the same opportunity. You may have somebody that comes up to you and they actually ask a question like the Philippian jailer did to Paul in Acts 16. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Man, slam dunk when you have that type of thing. You may have other times where you're sort of bringing it all up. I know one guy that was in a gas station buying some uh, a cold drink and somebody said, man, it is hot here. You know how he started out his conversation? He started it out by saying, you know, uh, it is hot. And I'm thinking about how much I don't like it. And then I thought about hell. Have you ever thought about how hot hell must be? And it led into a witnessing situation. Now, not everybody can do that, but it worked for him. There was another man that I know. He was in a barber shop waiting to get his hair cut. And uh, he was talking to the guy next to him. And he just happened to say, hey, I happen to be a pastor of a local church here. And I was just wondering, uh, do you go to church anywhere? And the guy said, no, I don't go much. And this man said, well, do you ever think about your soul? And he goes, nah, I don't really get into all of that. I figured it'll all settle out. And, you know, well, don't you want to know how to gain heaven and miss hell? No, nah, I don't really I don't really think that much about it. He goes, it'll all be okay. And this pastor said, well, could I pray for you? And the man goes, well, yeah, he was a little embarrassed, but he goes, sure, go ahead. And this pastor leaned over by this guy and said, dear Lord, this man doesn't care about going to heaven. And so I pray that you would take him to hell as soon as possible, because that's where he wants to go. The guy goes, whoa, 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 wait a minute. And uh, what happened after that? The preacher led him to Jesus. I mean, there are different ways in which we do these kind of things. Sometimes it may be by taking somebody a meal when they're grieving and they say, why would you do this? You didn't even know my loved one and you don't really know me. And it's an opportunity to give a witness for Jesus. It may not be a long one. It may not be a total one, but you can plant the seed. You can uh, drop the, uh, the, the words and the thought into their mind so that you can talk about it a little later on. When I was in school in Dallas, there were times when we would be witnessing out on the streets at a bus stop. Well, you had about three minutes was just about it before the bus came and they would get on the bus. And so 
What I'm saying is you take whatever you can get. Now, Darius obviously had a great opportunity because he's the king of this world empire. And he has a way of addressing. Now, he couldn't get on television or radio or the internet or anything like that. And so the speech would be written out. And so Darius crafted this speech and uh, he is doing it as a public witness for the Lord Jesus Christ to all peoples, nations, languages that dwell on the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. Now, he could have kept it personal. He could have kept it private, but he understood good news is for sharing. Why do you want to keep good news to yourself? Why do you want to be disobedient to the Lord and his plan and his command? And so in some way, somehow, with whatever opportunity the Lord gives you, you ought to do that. Now, notice he was apparently concerned for other people. That's why he couldn't keep it to himself. You know, it's one thing to say, I'm going to heaven, so uh, that's cool. I don't really care about anybody else. Does that sound Christian to you? Does that sound like loving your neighbor as you love yourself? And of course it is not. And Darius cared. And he also did it for their good and expressed this desire, peace unto you. Now, there's a whole lot more in that than just saying, I hope your life is calm right now. That would be included in it. That would be a good thing. But to actually have peace, peace about living and peace also about dying, peace about your eternal destiny, peace about the God that you worship, all of that is wrapped up in this phrase, peace be unto you. In other words, that was a, a way of saying, I wish the very best for you. And I think that as we witness, we shouldn't go out trying to keep score. We shouldn't go out trying to, um, you know, uh, gain points or anything like that. We ought to go out because we care. And we care about people and we want them to be right with God. And above all, we go out to glorify God. And if you can ever get that in your mind, I'm not witnessing because it feels good, because it may not. I'm not witnessing because it'll be popular, because it may not be. I'm not witnessing because somebody might get saved, because they may not get saved. I could look at all of that and go, well, then why go? And here's this one reason, because it glorifies God. Our obedience to the Great Commission glorifies God. Speaking up for Christ in a lost and dying world glorifies God. And that should be, for you and for me and any believer, that should be enough because that's what we are here for. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Paul said in the Bible, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Well, that would include witnessing, wouldn't it? So next time you think about it, next time you have an opportunity, don't think about yourself and don't even think about the other person so much as you think about God overall and how to bring glory to his name and take the opportunity that you have like Darius did. Number two, he used his influence for God's glory. And boy, did he have a lot of influence. Now, you probably don't have as much influence as Darius does, but you got some. So use what you have and use it for the glory of God and use it with other people. Your influence may seem to be very, very small. It doesn't matter. God gave you that influence, whether it's large or small. You don't have anything to be ashamed of on that. Just use what you have got 
for his glory. And so he says, I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. Well, now you certainly can't make the whole uh, decree here that uh, that pardon me, the whole empire hear and obey that decree like Darius could. Okay? And we can debate whether that was a good thing or a bad thing to do, but you can't fault him for the fact that he wanted everybody in his kingdom to worship the right God. He wanted his kingdom to be a reflection of the one true and living God. Now, even though he was the king, he may have paid a great political price for this. This could have been the kind of thing that would stir up his enemies to attack him. This could be the kind of things that would make his advisors kind of pull back from him or maybe not tell him the truth or be as zealous and creative as they could be. There could be a price to pay in all of this. This could have spawned an assassination attempt, a coup, an overthrow of the government. And this is a very, very bold thing. And don't think that people in leadership don't ever pay a price because they do, sometimes more than you can imagine. And so um, remember that no one can decree faith, as we said, but he wanted his nation to, under, uh, to honor God. One nation under God is what our uh, pledge to the flag says. Don't you wish that were true? And don't you wish you had the kind of influence where you could make it true or push everything in that direction? Well, you really can't, but this guy could. And so he did what he could. And that's what we're really asking you to do. You can't do everything, but do what you can do. And don't put it off. Do your best and do it now and do it for the glory of God. So you can use the authority that you have been given because we all have spheres of influence. For example, what about your family? You say, oh, they're over 18. They can do whatever they want. Well, not if they're living in your household. You can be like Joshua and say, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What if every Christian father said that? What if every Christian mother said that? We're going to serve the Lord. Well, I don't want to. Well, then you need to find another place to live. But as long as you live here, we're going to go to church. We're going to honor the Lord. We're going to pray before our meals. We're going to read the Bible together. That's the terms of living here at my house, if they're above age, of course. And if they're younger than that, then of course you can do that. We can also serve the Lord in the votes that we cast. We can do it in the way that our business is conducted. Does it glorify God? Are you living one way at church and another way in your business? Don't do that. It can also be in good deeds, in friendships, in lifestyle convictions. Colossians 3.23 said, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. We ought to have a good work ethic. We ought to be zealous. We ought to be joy-filled. We ought to be enthusiastic about Christ and about His work and about His church. 1 Thessalonians 1.5 For our gospel did not come to you. Let me get back on the right page here. For our gospel did not 
come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know, what kind of men we were among you for your sake. Feel the passion, feel the zeal, feel the commitment, feel the, um, uh, just how else would you describe it? Paul is just intense about all of this. This was on his heart and his mind, whatever he was doing. And keep in mind, he wasn't just preaching all the time and going to church all the time. He was facing persecution and he did it with the same intensity. He was a tent maker, so he could make a living and not be a burden to the Thessalonians, but he did it with this intensity. And he was teaching the Thessalonians for that short period he was here, and he did it with intensity. That's the way we ought to live. Our life ought to match up because it is centered on the glory of God, whatever we're doing. Number three, he had a correct knowledge of God. Back to Darius. He is the living God. Check that off. That's good. He steadfast forever. That's very good. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed. Excellent there, isn't it? And his dominion shall endure to the end. So when we look at that, he's proclaiming the exclusivity of God. He alone is the one true and living God. You don't have the God of your choice or the God that you would like or the God of the day or anything like that. One God. And he proclaimed his immutability. He doesn't change and he doesn't need to change. He's perfect the way that he is. He proclaimed the sovereignty of God, that rulership, the kingship of God over everything. And he proclaimed his eternality. This God doesn't end and his kingdom doesn't end. His power never wanes. His influence is never taken away. He does as he pleases in heaven and on earth. So make sure that you know about the God that you serve and make sure that your evangelism is not this generic to whom it may concern. As long as you believe in something, as long as you're sincere or uh, you can define God however you want to. Some people do that. Don't do that. Be clear, but be kind and be loving while you do it. Be kind and loving as you're doing it. You're not doing it to prove a point. You're not doing it to ram them in a corner. You're not doing this to, you know, uh, prove that uh, you're smarter than they are. In fact, that, that just kills this whole thing. We're not smart people telling dumb people something. We're a beggar telling another beggar where we found bread. And we do it because we care. And we do it because we want God honored and glorified. Number four. He spoke from a personal perspective. Now, some people witness, and it's almost like they're reading out of a textbook, out of a systematic theology book, or maybe they're reading off of a script. I don't, I don't care much for that. He spoke from a personal perspective. He delivers and rescues. Now, why would he say that? Because he had just seen it. This is something he could say, I was an eyewitness to it. And that's actually when the Bible tells us to be a witness for Christ. It's a courtroom term when you're called to be a witness and they swear you in. Do you promise to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth? So help you, God. And then you sat down in the seat and then the attorney asks you questions. You don't talk to them about things they're not interested in. And you don't talk about things that you haven't seen or things that you've heard or things that you think. You talk to them about what you witnessed, what you saw, what you observed, 
what was going on when you were present. That's what you do. And that's what Darius is doing here. He delivers and rescues. He had seen that. And he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Daniel's rescue opened him up to see all of creation in a new light, didn't it? Who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So God delivers and saves because he cares. If God didn't care, he would have left humanity. He would have left you and me dead in our trespasses and sins and uh, to go to hell and to suffer forever. But he sent his son because he hates sin and yet he loves sinners like you and sinners like me. This is a caring God, a God who cared enough to rescue Daniel, cares enough to save sinners like us. Also, he delivers in, uh, pardon me, same thing. Let me go on down to the right line. He has power that is not limited to a time or a place. God is not more powerful on the property of Graceway Baptist Church than he is at a bar or anywhere else. God is sovereign everywhere. He's not just sovereign in red states. He's not just sovereign in um, places where there's a Christian that may be in the palace or uh, Christians in the legislature or Christians in the governor's mansion. He is powerful everywhere. He rules and reigns everywhere. Understand that? So you may be on uh, what we would consider to be the devil's territory, but that doesn't diminish God's authority in that place one bit. In fact, Jesus said right before he gave the Great Commission, and I believe it's in Matthew's gospel, all authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. So a lot of people talk about the authority of demons and the authority of the devil and that type of thing. Well, understand this, God overrules all authority everywhere, and it is not diminished in any place. Darius is teaching us something here, isn't it? And also, his knowledge coming through Daniel revealed the personal nature of the Lord. Now, when other people hear you talk and they watch the way that you live, do they get the idea that our God is, number one, real, and number two, he's powerful, and number three, that he is personally working in our own life? This is not just, some people look at the Bible as a reference book or a textbook or something like that. It's much more than that. When we read these stories like Daniel in the lion's den, we should automatically understand that a God who would do that for Daniel, he does that because he is a personal God, a powerful God, the one true God who works in and through our lives. And when Darius saw what God, this one true living God, actually did for Daniel, uh, he couldn't help but began to worship him and want others to do that as well. So <clears throat> to quote the old hymn, let others see Jesus in you. So are they? And that's the big question. Are they seeing Jesus in you? That he is true and living, that he is powerful, and that he is a personal God who works through you and works in your life. And you ought to tell other people about answered prayer. You ought to tell other people about how God teaches you things and how you're growing in the Lord and how God provides things for you. That's a powerful witness. And it was enough for Darius to go from being a uh, pagan 
polytheists to worshiping the one true and the living God. And by the way, we talk about things that we're excited about, don't we? We talk about things that we care about. That's why we talk about football. That's why we talk about the fish that we caught. That's why we talk about our grandchildren. Well, doesn't that reveal something about our walk with God if we're ashamed to talk about Him and what He has done for us? So the conclusion here is that Darius doubtless had more power than you do, but he had very little knowledge. Can I say that again? He had more power, but he had very little knowledge. What do you mean by that? It seemed like he knew an awful lot about that. Folks, he could never thumb through his Bible and read out of the book of Hebrews or Matthew or Mark or Luke or John or anything like that because they hadn't been written yet. You've got the entire completed canon of Scripture, all 66 books, which are God's final and authoritative word to us. You've got it right there. You can hold it in your hand. You can look at it anytime you wish. You've read books. You've been to Bible studies. You've been in church. You, you have so much more than Darius ever had. Now, you can't match his power, but you're way past him when it comes to knowledge. What are you doing with it? So the real issue boils down to this. You ready? What do you do with what God has given you? What do you do with what God has given you? Don't compare yourself to other people. That's not the issue. Some people have more open doors. Billy Graham could preach to tens of thousands, if not more, of people in one setting. I'll never have that, and you'll never have that. And God is saying to us today, that's not the issue. I didn't ask you what Billy Graham is going to do with his influence. What are you going to do with yours? Are you going to talk to that one person? Are you going to pray for that one person? Are you going to be faithful as you deal with that one person? That's what the issue really is. Little is much when God is in it. And also, are you content with what you know or are you pressing on? What do I mean by that? Well, we always ought to be appreciative for what we know because we don't deserve to know it and God didn't have to reveal it to us, right? You could have been born in a place where the Bible is illegal and you never even saw a copy of the book of Romans. Our ladies have just gone through that book and all of them, or most of them anyway, have enjoyed going through that book. Well, what if you lived in a time and a place where you never saw that book? Would you hunger for more? Would you want to know more? Would you be zealous for the word of God or for what you did know? Some places people don't have a Bible, but they got a page and they love and they treasure that page. And they, if they were to get a full copy of the scripture, would devour it. And the apostle Peter said, even for those of us who are older in the Lord, we are supposed to uh, crave the word like a newborn babe. Desire the word like newborn babes. You ever watched a baby when they get that bottle? Charlotte gets excited when she sees her bottle. She recognizes that and she's ready for it. Are you like that with the word of God? Or are you just content, fat and lazy? We ought to be growing in the grace of the Lord and pressing on because 
we can and because it's available to us. And as we learn more, we share more and we do it all for the glory of God. So what are you doing with the knowledge you have right now? Not enough, maybe. And it's not what you'll have later on, but don't wait till someday. Someday tomorrow may never come. What are you doing now with that knowledge? And what are you doing now with the influence that you have? Okay, God bless you. And we will see you next week. And I pray that God really does do a great work in your life and use you to touch somebody else's life for his glory and for their good. God bless.